It's systems, accountability, and relationship. I did a three-level system. One is beginner, intermediate, and expert. And so within my industry, typically it takes about a year for somebody to meet up to expert level. So at the beginning, and so the first six months, we typically look at, okay, we can predict this is where they should be, and this is about what you should see. The healthier your training program is, the quicker that timeline is. Hi, everybody out there, Jojo Nation. As a contractor, every day is a fight for survival. Oh. What the hell are we doing here, Harry? Diojo is the do your own job dojo. Sweep the leg. Curated by John Isaacson. Contractor. Guy Inspector Home. Author. There's nothing like it out there. A mediocre podcast host. Nicely done on keeping it together. The, the Diojo podcast. We should be listening to you. Helping contractors shorten their dang learning curve. The majority of our discussion today, right out of the gate, um, I think you can see how this applies to everyone in the skilled trades, definitely in construction, definitely in property restoration. That's my friend, Jeff Lawson. Can you hear me now? I can't hear you. He is currently the operations coordinator for the Auburn School District here in the Pacific Northwest in Washington. He has this program that I've seen him uh, present in various associations related to school districts, custodial services, and it applies really to anything in the skilled trades. Hold on. I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? No. Where it sets parameters for clarifying expectations, developing consistency within your teams, and creating accountability, especially through collaboration. Clarity, consistency, and accountability. We're going to touch on those items in this. This will most likely be a two-part. Hold on. Try now. Can you hear me now? But before we do, I want to give a huge shout-out to two of my favorite people in our restoration industry. You got Pete Consigli, the restoration industry watchdog. A couple of dapper guys just freshening it up before our fancy dinner. What are you rolling with, Pete? Oh, what? The old, this is Pinot. This is the old classic old Clubman. It's real good. That's how you get all the ladies, Pete? Now, I don't know about that. Don't you get me in trouble here now. No, 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 no. Those of you that have been following the podcast will know him. He's uh, a key voice uh, introducing everyone into the, the Diojo Nation into the podcast. Hi, everybody out there, Diojo Nation. This is the Global Watchdog, Pete Consigli. Uh, he's also the industry watchdog, meaning him and Cliff Zlotnick in particular try to keep an eye out for shenanigans and misinformation in the industry. Uh, there was a great interview with uh, Jeff Cross at Clean Facts from a winter break event that we were all at that I would encourage you to go back and check out if you want to know more about that particular piece of history. Um, but Pete was on Michelle Blevins, um, another friend of the show. I set boundaries. Her podcast for CNR Mag magazine restoration today and they covered just a huge piece of history those again that follow the podcast know that's a a a, point, a passion point for myself um, knowing about our our the history of our industry we have propertyrestorationhistory.com that uh, Pete and I have been wor- working on. Michelle references Pete was able to get uh, some of the archives from one of the members of Restoration Mount Rushmore, 
Marty King that were um, being stored graciously by John Pletcher out there in Pennsylvania. So many books and papers he'd written. I mean, his microscope and all this, all this laboratory equipment. And stuff. Yeah. He was a true scientist. I mean, it was like, it was like, yeah, yeah. Frank, yeah Frankenstein, mad scientist. Mad scientist. Of, Not yeah, mad, yeah. but he. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's four words. That, that's, that's exactly how I would describe him. Igniter of an industry. Yeah. He got this industry going. To, yeah. Into what it is today. In this clip, Pete talks um, about some of the history of the industry, but all the, some of the great debates in written word, but also some of the debates that they had. It's fine. Uh, some of the Donnybrook debates and, and various events where people would come together, present what appear to be opposing sides on a particular topic, and then hash it out. I'm going to have to go ahead and sort of disagree with you there. Have a, a healthy, respectful back and forth. You know, back in the day, when John Downey first started Clean Facts in the 90s, before it was sold on, you know, to where it is today, he had this thing called the Great Debate. <clears throat> and he, he would get a couple of people to debate whatever some particular hot topic of the day was. But the key thing that Downey did then, each party would take an opposing view on whatever the topic was, and then they would exchange it, and then they'd write a rebuttal. So he actually had the rebuttal in there. So uh, I'm the only person in this in the history of uh, the magazine and maybe the industry that actually debated itself. And <laughs> so I, exactly, you were laughing. So I, 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 I called him up one day years ago and I said, John, uh, this is marketing discussion. The industry should be a specialist or a generalist. And I had written a series of articles as restorative drying was evolving in the 90s with the old dry symposiums. One was Pete Consigli, the other was G. Pete Consigli. I not only debated myself, I did the rebuttal on both. And I'll never forget this. Barry Costa called me up. You debated yourself. He goes, I, I agree with both positions. You know, I, I, I like a good debate because this is how you get to the great solution. That's essentially what the standards and all this stuff is about. It's just about having a debate, offering viewpoints, opinions, following the guidelines, and then coming out with, you know, whatever the consensus, you know, document is going to be. So I agree. Like I said, please check that clip out, Restoration Today, the podcast from CNR Magazine and Michelle Blevins. That episode is called The History of Restoration with guest Pete Consigli. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. The, the whole point of these podcast platforms, or what they should be, is sharing ways that contractors and professionals can shorten their dang learning curve. One of the best ways to do that is to learn from others. Most of the lessons that we learn and know and have helped us have been from failures, right? I tried something. I thought this would work to solve this issue. It either worked or didn't. Um, and usually the driver for some form of change is a form of failure. So pain and stupidity. Managing other people sometimes can feel like you just want to pull your hair out. This is not okay. Or it can feel like babysitting or just wondering how you're ever going to get anything done. Whether that's, you know, hiring the right team, getting them trained, um, showing them a pathway to a career. And all what Jeff has designed and what he's going to talk about is all out of those experiences. The healthier your training program is, the quicker that timeline is. Only here on the Diojo Podcast, folks. The inventor of the Diojo Podcast. If you're a manager and you oversee people and you're trying to create some predictability 
in productivity with time as your key measurement, which is the measurement yeah. for everybody, <laughs> whether it's estimating project management um, or or the frontline employees, or even if you're managing subcontractors, right? Yeah, it really is. It's it's really, it's what you want to do. Because I want to make bank, bro. Ultimately, it's one, yeah. how you want to clean or uh, maintain the space, what you want to focus on, what's important, yeah. what's not important. I mean, everything's adaptable. We're both part of the skilled trades, diff different aspects of it. I've been in your presentations. You know, correct me if I'm wrong. The tool and the process you've created is it's yep. intricate, but very helpful. But it's a, a simple way to approach, like you said, the key component is time. Time, time. And what I try to tell people is, if you're going to use time as, as a measurement, you want a common standard that everybody can base what they're doing off of. Never going to know. It may not be a good standard, but until you put a standard in place and you don't have a starting point, you don't know. Never going to know. You don't know. I need to have a starting place for a standard. And then after I can get that, I can make adjustments as it flows. You got to make adjustments on the fly and be flexible. But if you have a common standard, you can do that. If you don't, yeah. just shooting from the hip and you have no clue what you're doing. Never you don't know. We want to thank our sponsor. I will not bow to any sponsor. We've got the Institute of Inspection, Cleaning, and Restoration Certification, aka the IICRC. Most of you know about the training available through the IICRC and the standards, but you may not be aware there are several standards up for review currently that you can review them and input on whether you think they best reflect the industry consensus. Visit IICRC.org today. We also have David Princeton with Advocate Claim Service. He has a monthly column in Cleaning and Restoration Magazine, CNR. Dear David, if I want to take the anxiety out of my claim, who should I call? Advocate Claim Service. Advocate Claim Service. We've got the Restoration Industry Association, the RIA. They are excited to offer a new first-time contractor member discount program, making it even more affordable than ever to become a member. Eligible companies receive a discounted rate of $299 US or $25 per month for the first year of membership with the RAA. And we have the winner of the RAA's 2023 Contractor's Choice Award, Epic Estimates. Specializes in writing Xactimate and Symbility Estimates with speed, precision, and professionalism. If you want your estimates to be epic, you know who to call. Thank you to our sponsors. Please let them know that you heard about them on the D.O. Joe Podcast. The Avenger, the D.O. Joe Podcast. If you oversee multiple people, you oversee multiple shifts, you oversee multiple locations, multiple skill levels, and multiple disciplines, because yours has a component for optimum productivity, you know, baseline productivity, and then maybe like a, you got a, somebody that's starting out or. Yeah. So we, we, what I did was I did a three level system. One is beginner, intermediate, and expert. And so yeah. within my industry, typically it takes about a year for somebody to meet up to expert level. So at the beginning, yeah. and it depends on the person too. I mean, some people yep. can do it in six months. Some people need two years. It just depends yeah. on the individual. I can't believe we drove around all day and there's not a single job in this town. There's nothing, nada, zip. Yeah, unless you want to work 40 hours a week. But typically it's about a year. And so the first six months, we typically look at, okay, we can predict this is where they should be and this is yeah. about what you should see. Yeah. And it should range between 60 to 80% of work done. The next six months should be 80% to 100%. And then after that one year, it should be 100% of the work getting done. So yeah. 
the healthier your training program is, the quicker that timeline is. Clarity, consistency, and accountability. If I may, which I can because it's my podcast, I'd like to take a minute to read an excerpt from book number three, So You Want to Be a Project Manager, Mindset and Habits for Growth by John Isaacson, The Intentional Restorer. Are you a project manager? It's interesting to hear Jeff talk about, um, you know, thinking through the process of what are our expectations of people coming in? What is the timeline from entry level, having no prior knowledge? Within my industry, typically it takes about a year for somebody to meet up to expert level. So at the beginning... I think a lot of times in our industry, it's a bit incestuous in the sense that, oh, I can just hire, plug and play somebody from another company. I talk about on the podcast, talked about in the books, my experience in management is I would much rather hire someone um, with relevant experience, someone, the three things we typically look for, are they honest, hardworking, willing to learn? Those are difficult to quantify. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I believe if you're honest, hardworking, and willing to learn, we can train you to do anything. Are you a business owner with project managers? I would much rather take the time to train someone good habits than to have to retrain bad habits. You know, maybe good and bad isn't the right way to phrase it, but difficult to to train somebody in your way of doing things when they've been trained by somebody else to do them. The thing I would say is concrete is don't assume I've hired somebody from company X. I can just plug and play. I don't have to train That's the wrong mindset for sure. Those are some horrible stories. Personally, I veer towards hiring somebody with no experience. Um, And I know people say that might work for technicians, but it never worked for a management level. Uh, Not always true. Wrong, sir. We just, um, I would say, coming up on a year with uh, a project manager we hired that had no prior construction experience or uh, project management experience and has been doing quite well. Um, we got two letters this week, uh, positive affirmation, and uh, one of our subcontractors who doesn't compliment anybody gave them a compliment. So um, it is possible. The other rebuttal I've had is that uh, I'm just a weak manager, weak mindset, because I don't like to lead people who actually know things. So let's go to the bathroom. Oh. If you know me, maybe you don't agree with that. If you don't know me, then you have no frame of reference and you'll have to make your own opinion. I think this friction, which we're going to talk a little bit more about, a lot of times there's friction uh, between management and the employees. A question you really have to ask is, are we holding our employees to a higher standard than we hold ourselves to as a management ownership team? Are you a manager training project managers? When you have issues with performance, you should take a step back and ask as a leadership team, are we holding our team members to a higher standard than we are holding ourselves to? As I shared in Garbage In, Garbage Out, managers and owners often lament poor details they receive from technicians in the field, and yet they don't see the hypocrisy of an internal system that regularly sends them frantically to jobs with few details. You better listen up real good. So when things aren't clear, aren't consistent, and we're struggling with accountability, clarity has to start at the ownership management level. 
And so I think this is a beautiful part of what Jeff talks about, um, you know, and, and we'll probably get to, I think, in part two of more of the collaborative part of that. You keep your eye out for knowledge, or knowledge might put your eye out. You know, shameless plug for So You Want to Be a Project Manager by John Isaacson, available from the Diojo and on Amazon. Okay. Project, project, project manager. A lot of times there's friction, especially maybe newer managers uh, with expectations on like, what can we actually accomplish? Yeah. And so, or just in management in general, management says, sometimes it feels like they just throw something against the wall and say, well, you guys should be able to meet this goal. Um, And I think when you and I first met, I was working at a abatement company that their production, their, um, all their estimating was based on production rates. So it lined up beautifully with your production rates based on uh, accountability and achieving the goal. So especially if you're estimating, which even in our industry, if you use an estimating program, at the end of the day, it has productivity assumptions within it. So communicating from um, the estimating to the project management, to the production team, you know, hey, these are the assumptions we've made. And then being able to check because, uh, you know, in construction, it's like, well, we didn't hit our we didn't hit our timeline and we didn't hit our profitability goals. Well, why? Well, was it production like they didn't meet the goals? Did they even know the goals existed? You know, right. did, the, did the project managers know estimating assumed we could remove, you know, 400 square feet of drywall in a two hour period or, you know, whatever that is. And, and if it takes longer than the hours that are listed and you trust those guys, you go, you can go back and have those honor on conversation, on conversation, on conversation, are my times off? You know what yeah. I'm saying? And why are they off? And what, obstacles did you run into yeah. that lengthen those those times and then you can improve your estimations in the future based off of those observations conversation. and if you have a good enough team and a trustworthy enough team and they start tracking their times they start tracking everything and they're talking to you conversation. you can actually make their jobs better and easier yeah. with the realistic expectations it's systems accountability and relationship i'm actually working with our grounds department to develop yeah. this for them. if you're going to use time as as a measurement you want a common standard that everybody can base what they're doing off of i get weird comments when i think about using our means uh for standards for construction it's either too much or it's not it's not enough clarity consistency some of you may be familiar with RS Means. Um, I think they're still available in Home Depot and Lowe's. You know, in the book section, you used to walk into Home Depot every year. They'd update it. You actually had to go through the book, but it would classify types of work by common um, labor rates, uh, quantity-based um, pricing. We talk about this some. Um, Again, in so you want to be a project manager, the common estimating approaches and actually go a little bit into detail on each of those. As Jeff was talking about, there's the shooting from the hip method where, you know, just kind of put your thumb in the wind and, and take a guess at it. 
you've got time and materials, you know, estimating the amount of time, calculating the materials. You have cost plus, there's unit pricing, standardized pricing, and production rates. Someone that's been doing a lot of good work as it relates to production rates and trying to produce large scale estimates with uh, a level of product. Uh, predictability is Tom McGuire with the large loss mastery program that he's developed. But regardless of what you use, there are assumptions in every estimating platform on productivity. So it's important do your estimators know what those assumptions are, uh, whether that's exact domain in the restoration industry, RS means, if you were putting an estimate together that way, time and material. Someone is making an assumption about what can be done in a certain period of time. Just do it! So going back to RS means is just one in um, a number of things, even in Jeff's system again. Um, some people like, yeah, it's good. Some people don't like it. It's either too much or it's not It's not enough. But it's a standard. If you don't, yeah. just shooting from the hip and you have no clue what you're doing. I'm your huckleberry. So it's funny going back to like when we met, it clicked so well because I was... A lot of us in our side of restoration write from Xactimate. You mentioned RS means. It's kind of built off those standardized pricing. And some people don't know on the back end of that, you can print like components list that shows the hours that are assumed by category in the estimating. I'm going to share a little bit from uh, the fourth book, How to Suck Less at Estimating, where we break down a little bit more not quite to the detail that Ben Justison does, not near the detail that Ben Justison does in his course, Enlightened Restoration Solutions. Once you get to the point where you're not willing to listen or not willing to learn, mm -hmm. F you pound sand. But break down some of the background information, uh, the assumptions within Xactimate. So this is of particular note for... Uh, contractors in the property restoration space, those who do insurance work, but um, there's also remodelers and other contractors that use the program. But this is a quick, just a quick blurb from the estimating course based on this book, How to Suck Less at Estimating, that we put together. But here's a little bit of putting a budget together from the recap by category that's available in Xactimate. How to Suck Less at Estimating Habits for Better Project Outcomes. <laughs> So here's an example of a budget. We take the line items from recap by category. Let's see, where's drywall on here? Drywall. So on this particular estimate, the drywall recap by category was 12,400, and it converts that to 8,000 because it's times in it by 0.678 to target that margin. That's what the calculation's coming out to. Say I give 8,500, it's going to give 35 hours in this sheet based on 25 bucks an hour as a budget. From the components, say my, my drywall is three grand. I might go back up to this 8,500 minus that to 5,500. So now I've got 220 hours at 25 bucks an hour, and I've got my drywall cost covered. And this is just a simple spreadsheet. How to suck less at estimating habits for better project outcomes. That was a segment from chapter six, and hopefully is a taste of what you'll get if you purchase the book or the course. That has been in and out of being a bestseller on Amazon for its category 
It's also a course available through our friends at Restoration Technical Institute. You can find this book on Amazon in paperback. You can buy it in bulk through our website, thediojo.com forward slash book four, or go to rtilearning.com to learn more about our course and many others. How to suck less at estimating habits for better project outcomes. But at the the abatement company we're looking at, so say our guys are going in to remove 1,200 square feet of asbestos vinyl tile and mastic, right? So maybe we assumed one guy can do 400 square feet in an eight-hour day. So your productivity rate, you know, is 400. Um, and that's for us to be profitable. But on the flip side, your guys are cleaning or waxing, you know, the same square feet of floor. And so you have your productivity rate for how do I get in like in a week cycle? How do we clean this whole damn school? However many staff you have, this productivity concept is key in any aspect of a business. It's like, great, you put a number on a piece of paper. What does that number translate to what you think your team can do? I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. In order to be profitable and then tracking that. Because at first it might be like, you know, you're just kind of licking your thumb and sticking it in the wind. Those are some horrible stories. But then if you said, I assumed, you know, in eight hours you guys could do X, then like you're saying, going back and checking, well, that job doesn't meet the timeline or the budget. Sit down with the team. Well, conversation. Were the, was the productivity off or were the expectations wrong or was the estimate just crap, right? Like it just was your well, estimators out of touch with what your team actually does, you know? Well, dang it. Dang it. Oh, dang. Dang it. <laughs> and, and if it takes longer than the hours that are listed and you trust those guys, you go, you can go back and have those honor con conversation. Are my times off? You know what yeah. I'm saying? And why are they off? And what obstacles did you run into yeah. that lengthen those, those times? And then you can improve your estimations in the future based off of those observations. Conversation. Well, and that feedback, which isn't necessary, you need that feedback as a manager or the managers that are managing those individual schools right. um, to, to redo the, the plan, right? Whereas like what we need is, okay, maybe we need to update our estimating systems. Cause there's, I think you mentioned probably you would say too, like maybe this guy kicks butt at, at floors, but when right. it comes to like vertical services or cleaning desks or something like his productivity, like drops, you know, like the, on our side, maybe this guy's excellent when it comes to drywall. But if we ask him to do finish work, like he just, he tanks. If you send the drywall guy to go do trim, you know, and then expect them to produce at that expert level, it's not going to happen, right? You like, you have unrealistic expectations. Conversation. But exactly like you said, the variables, if I've got 1200 square feet that I'm removing a floor in an open room, they'll probably kick that out in half a day. But if it's yeah, because three rooms, you know, tucked inside a closet and they got to move all the contents first, you know, that those are those variables, you know, whereas it's like, if it's no, we're 400 square feet, you know, an eight hour day. No, what are you waiting for? Do it. Well, no, there was some obstacles that create, you know, <laughs> right. um, uh, different, different levels. As we bring 
our time here to a close for this particular episode. Um, just want to share a little bit about an upcoming project, but also a personal story that I think demonstrates how this idea of productivity, you know, creating clarity, consistency, and accountability. Clarity, consistency, and accountability doesn't have to be super complex. The same point of book number two. In the be intentional culture, book hug moment. You know, culture, culture is simply what you are and trying to convey that to the people that you're working with and the teams that you're building. Um, you know, there can be aspirational elements of that, but it should be more a recognition of what you are, strengthening your strengths and trying to limit the impacts of your weakness and bring people in around you. Uh, I think I talked to you a little bit about, I'm writing a book, uh, Challenge Accepted, trying right. to like um, an open letter to young people entering the workforce. Challenge Accepted, an open letter to young people entering the workforce. By and I can remember, it wasn't the first job I ever had, but working at a burger shop and we had you know, knives with a guard on it for cutting tomatoes so that they're all cut the same depth, right? We had um, a specific knife for our lettuce, like the fry sauce. We were no well known for our fry sauce, but it was all measured out. And so, you know, those are, like you said, you have to have those processes. Clarity, consistency, and accountability. Our boss there, Sharon, you know, it, it created a sense of pride. I can think of when new people came in, we were like, man, this, we do this, this way, we do this, this way. Um, and this is how we clean the grill. This is what the floor needs to look like when we leave, you know, it was a small shop, but um, it's crazy how exactly like you said, because of the relationship we had with her and the respect, we wanted those systems, but also that customers knew they're getting the same product every time. Clarity. Consistency and accountability. You cannot. You cannot do it excellently. <laughs> if you want to change your mindset and habits, it all starts with being able to do it right, do it efficiently, and do it excellently. You cannot do it excellently if you first don't know how to do it right. Great story, compelling and rich. Thank you for tuning into the Diojo podcast. We hope you were informed. Yeah. So I've learned something here and entertained. Are you not entertained? dyojo.com forward slash podcast you can buy john a beer you can support the show or you can buy one of the books i've written the last one being how to suck less at estimating <laughs> what am i supposed to do and you can find them on amazon there's nothing like it out there we will be returning with part two of our conversation with jeff lawson on productivity so keep your eyes and ears open for that we're also, Jeff has agreed to be one of the presenters. We were planning possibly a one, a full day event in October. Most likely we're going to scale that back to a half day for now. Um, uh, so keep your ears open. Um, and what we ultimately decide as far as like the speakers, but uh, he'll definitely be joining us for our Fellowship of Construction Knowledge and Entrepreneurial Development uh, monthly meeting at one point to discuss this item, uh, bring people together to hear from a subject matter expert, roundtable on that, and then hopefully encourage each other to continue to improve um, ourselves as leaders and then our businesses as we grow them. So closing comments 
for round one with Jeff Lawson. Take it away, Jeff. I'm a, I, I just did a leadership with Womoa recently, and I, I, we did this personality test, and obviously I became a systems guy. But yep. it, also, you know, it's not just a great system. You can build a great system, but if you don't have relationships, and that's, yeah, that's the other huge. part. I, I really try to start talking to people about build, build a good system. Great. That's awesome. Build accountability. That's great. That's awesome. But you got to have that third system in place, which is relationships and how you build relationships. And really, I'm blessed. My night supervisor, his name is Sergio, is one of those guys that he has this unique ability to build relationships. Hmm. Uh, he can have any hard conversation in his I've never seen anybody with his approach and how he talks to people, how he interacts yeah. with people, how he builds people up and yet holds them accountable. I, yeah. I've learned so much from him in that terms and I'm still learning. Um, and he knows how to be hard when it needs to be hard. He knows how to be soft when it needs to be soft. And so kind of watching him do his work, I've actually become a better manager because of it. Um, and so it really is, it's systems, accountability and relationships. It's systems, accountability, and relationships. It's systems, accountability, and relationships. What the industry needs is conversations like this. Thursdays are four. The Ojo Podcast. What are you, stupid? My, my, mindset change. Helping contractors shorten their dang, dang, dang learning curve. Once you get to the point where you're not willing to listen or not willing to learn, we pound sand. The Ojo Podcast. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Complete hogwash. Last week on the Dojo podcast, you know, we got a mitigation around I think 2011 and building that up, and everything was going great. And then 2017, I was like, "You serious?" You know, we have all this work, but our profits are dropping. Give me, give me, give me! I need dealing with the carrier is getting more difficult. You get nothing. You lose. So we had to make an adjustment, like big time, because we were about to go bankrupt. Not good.